Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Retro Time Podcast. I'm Jeremy. I'm Derek. Derek, it has been a couple of weeks, man. It has been a couple of weeks. We got that summer kind of kicking off, and <laughs> I feel like it's going to be harder for us to record every week. But you know what? It's life, man. It's life. It's hot out there. You've been up to. You've been you've been playing uh, some basketball with it being so hot. Or are you you trying to you trying to not not sweat so much? Oh, you know I got you know I got an update. Yeah, you're right. Indoor b-ball, baby. Yeah, so I went indoors, <laughs> played with some dudes. Um, there's this one guy I play with. His name's Jarrett. He's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's just a guy gen- you hugged that time. Genuinely good dude, but he's like <laughs> six two or six three with a positive wingspan. So like, his, his wingspan is like seven foot. Like he's- He's like he's like he's got oh, he's, big long arms. His arms are longer than his legs. Yeah, he's just un, un, unreasonably <laughs> long arms. And I blocked his shot. I wow, his shot, Jeremy, Derek. And, I don't know uh, what you're doing podcasting, man. Because you you should be um, playing professional basketball somewhere. He said it. He said it. Now I <laughs> no, he said it. Yeah, I didn't say it. Um, no, but oh, it was uh, it was a good time with the guys and. Uh, we did get out there. Uh, friend of the podcast, Doug Poirier, joined us as well. Old Doug. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, well, Doug, I know I've seen Doug play some volleyball, so I know how I know how uh, intense Mr. Poirier can get. Yeah, it's fit. But that's good. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm glad to have. I'm glad to be back. We have a special guest today, Ooh. Derek. Tell me about it. I'm excited. So we've got Ryan Body on the show, and ever since the day he first opened up a computer science textbook in second grade, which is very early, by the way, Ryan. That's impressive. Uh, Ryan knew he wanted to become a computer scientist. He has pursued the dream since then and learned the valuable skills that became the basis of a career in the software development industry. Mm-hmm. And after holding a slew of inter- interesting jobs across several niches in the industry, Ryan decided to merge his lifelong bucket list item of writing a book with his desire to share what he learned over the years. And we're going to talk to him about it today. He wrote a little book about CSS, or as I like to call it, Cascading Style Sheets. Uh, Ryan's out in uh, North Carolina. He's got an amazing wife, son, daughter. He spends his spare time creating written and video content about the software industry and web development. So he is perfect for the show. Ryan, welcome to Retro Time. It's awesome to have you, man. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I have been listening to some uh, of the uh, last few episodes of the show uh, since I uh, met you guys and love the stuff that you guys are putting out. Thanks, man. I'm excited. You know, the interesting thing about Retro Time is every episode is better than the one before it. So the good news is that this is going to be better than the last one. Yeah. Unfortunately, the next one will be better than this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't so know what to... we can't do hey, anything about that. Yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing yeah, I can do about do it. About I'm sorry. It. We just, you're, you know, that's just how we roll here at Retro Time. Uh, but no, that's awesome. We really appreciate it. Uh, full disclosure, some of our episodes aren't as good as the one before it, but, you know, perception is reality here. Uh, but anyway, time. so tell us about the book, Ryan. You write, you wrote a book about CSS, yes. and we've got a lot of software developers. We got a lot of, uh, you know, designers who have to translate those designs somehow into CSS and the style sheets. Um, so tell us a little bit about this book. Where did how to come about it? What, what made you want to write it? Yes, actually, I got my proof yesterday. It's right here. Ooh, look yeah. at that! Yeah. So that's I'm really beaut. excited. Yes, thank you so much. It's got that not for resale label on it. Uh, but that's <laughs> where you should so. sign it, that's and then true. you can sell it for a lot of yeah. money. Exactly, exactly. Now, so, on the second market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I um, I've always wanted to write a book, and uh, I'm actually part of a program called Self Publishing School, and. Uh, and you learn in self-publishing school that um, you, the first book you write should be the book that you can write, not the book that you want to write. 
not necessarily that I didn't want to write this book. I really did. Um, but uh, I decided to focus on an area that I had some expertise because uh, I knew that I could get this book out there. Um, and then furthermore, I uh, was in my ideation phase trying to think of, of what book I wanted to write. And I was scrolling through Twitter at the same time. And it has become like a meme, like a, a running joke on Twitter uh, about how difficult CSS is. I actually saw someone tweet the other day. Uh, that they found CSS harder than JavaScript, which blew my mind. How is that, how is that possible? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I, I have just seen so many beginners uh, and experienced devs alike struggling with CSS. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't claim to be, you know, uh, some god at CSS. Uh, I've been around the block. Uh, I've put together quite a few interfaces. Um, but I've always enjoyed it. And that's the difference is I, I, I love CSS. Um, so I, uh, I decided that it was time to write a book on the fundamentals uh, and, uh, and get it out in front of people. Uh, and so it's launching on May 31st. Right on, man. Well, we'll definitely include that in the show notes and stuff. Probably by the time this goes live, that will be up and running. We'll probably put it I don't know, maybe this week, next week, who knows? Um, you know, so it's funny. I used to be a front-end developer. I'm a UX designer now, but back in the day, my first job was a graphic designer, web developer. I made a lot of WordPress websites, so I dealt with CSS quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, we always had this running joke with me and my team that, like, if we couldn't figure out something, we just make sure you clear left. Like, have you checked? Did you try clearing left? <laughs> uh, clear both or try clear both. Uh, anyway, so it's funny, kind of like our, our equivalent of, did you kick the tire? Um, but I, I'm curious, like from your perspective, what is it about CSS that scares people? Yeah. What is it? Do you have any, you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. So, um, I think it has a lot to do with one, the approach that is being taught to learning web development today, uh, mm. and two, um, uh, the rules of CSS are different, uh, you know, mm. unintended, but, um, but the rules <laughs> are different. Uh, optimization isn't the same. Debugging isn't the same as your, you know, Turing complete languages. And then, you know, there's there's a million different ways to do things, uh, especially as the spec has evolved over time. Uh, you know, when Grid was introduced, people who had learned Flexbox and swore by Flexbox were like running around like chickens with their heads cut off. Yeah. Um, uh, but with that being said, like I said, the approach to web development and learning web development is a lot different than when I was learning web development. When I was learning web development, it was you learn HTML, you put together a little website that says, you know, H1, your name, H2, about you, a paragraph, and then you style that page with CSS, and then maybe you move some things around in the DOM with JavaScript, and then you learn how to interact with APIs with JavaScript, you learn how to create APIs with JavaScript, and that was kind of the path mm. that I took, you know, you learn HTML, you learn CSS, you learn JavaScript. And right. then the advent of frameworks, I learned the framework and now we're in modern web development. Today, and I think it's partially because of the job market, uh, a lot of beginners are being told, learn React, learn React That's and you'll first, get a job. Oh, right. and, yeah, oh, that makes sense. They learn JavaScript and they're like, wow, this is amazing. I can, I can build anything I want with JavaScript. Uh, and then they're like, but how do I, you know, make things look pretty? <laughs> and it's, uh, well, now you got to learn CSS and it's just drastically different from anything that they've looked at. Yeah. You know, I always wondered if it's, if it's that idea of styling things that just scare developers, you know, developers very like engineering focused, you know, the, 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 the framework, the, the backbone. And when it comes to trying to make something pretty, it just scares that kind of part of their brain, you know? Um, and I wonder if like developers assumed to be good at CSS, you have to be a designer, 
And the thing, the reason why I, I think this this topic today is really interesting, you know, we have a lot of designers that listen to the show. <laughs> and one of the things that I think is really critical for really great software is for a developer and a designer to work really well together, right? Uh, Derek and I, for instance, I'm a designer, he's a developer, uh, back-end developer. He does Java, so like the CSS stuff just blows his mind. He doesn't really... I don't know, Derek. What do you when you hear CSS? Your eyes glaze over. You're just like um, oh, data table something. Blah blah blah. <laughs> no, I. Guys, I, I so you guys my my background on it is uh, I started with um, <laughs> the program. First program I ever worked on out of college was uh, it was using JSF, so JavaScript, uh, where the front end, all of the little JavaScript logic was generated and then served when you access the um, the website. So it was like generated JavaScript. So it was like everything was sort of obfuscated. And it was like, you don't have to worry about all that silly JavaScript and all that styling, you know, like that's for the, that's for all the, uh, you know, nerds. You're, a, you're an enterprise developer. Just make it look gray, you know, just make sure it's gray, <laughs> you know. And like I realized later, like. Working with Jeremy really opened my eyes um, to some of the things that I kind of had in intuitions about that how people use software um, has a lot to do with how it looks and how mm. it functions and how simple it looks. And and if if something's not aligned, it can change your whole view on if that is even a valuable text box to type into, you know. Mm. Like maybe it's aligned differently because it's optional. I, I don't understand. Like all these concepts and um, so that kind of stuff I understood. CSS still to this day. If I go look at like a CS a style sheet or like a SAS style sheet, even more confusing to me. Um, <laughs> I'll look at it and I'll be oh, like, because it doesn't have the brackets. It's oh boy. First thing I do, <laughs> pour a beer. First thing I do. Yeah. All right. And then I get a shot. Shot beer. CSS. That's how I do it. Um, oh so that, that's this my is strategy. This back-end developer talking. Yeah. So, well, this is where I'm going with that thought. I got sidetracked. Uh, but where where I think this plays into the designer is that I think it's really important for the designers to understand at least the basics of this so that when you are designing something, you're actually designing something that a developer could could go and build. Hmm. And I think the you know, more we get into it, I think it makes it easier and easier for developers to go build these things. I know back in the day, it was like, rounded corners. How do you want me to do that? I can't do that you know, without background image or something. Uh, but, you know, it, nowadays it's a lot easier to do those kinds of things. But I think it's really important for a designer to understand CSS, to understand how the thing they're designing is actually translated to a real functioning application because your design is useless if a developer can't build it or your design is useless if, a, if you can't communicate how this thing should actually function to a developer, I think it's really important for designers to understand that. At least at a high level, you don't have to be a master, but I think you really should understand it. I'd say the same thing for developers as well, just to throw that out there. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> because if you don't understand it as a developer, I'm talking about like a, like a back-end developer, then you're going to be all, mm -hmm. you're going to be completely lost. You're going to think that the worst design in the world or the worst, you know, style sheet in the world or looking page or whatever um, is awesome because you can't have any frame mm -hmm. of reference. Anyway, yeah. I thought you were making a joke. Sorry, Derek. No, anyway, I, uh, I have had a slew of different jobs within different niches in software. Uh, I'm back in development now. I'm a senior application developer at my full-time job. But um, prior to this, I was actually uh, working in penetration testing in the cybersecurity space. Uh, mm. And I was helping with uh, development of hacking tools. Uh, and uh, I worked with this individual who he was putting together these 
amazing fishing tools, like beating out everything in the industry, uh, which was scary. I might say yeah, uh, he was like, he, he's very smart, but I was like, the fact that you can build this scares me. Um, but he was, you know, reverse engineering things from Google and Microsoft and getting past their filters and building these phishing tools, building these recon tools to do all this reconnaissance. Uh, and, and he would show them to me and he'd be like, check it out. Look how cool, look what I can do with it. And I was like, that's awesome. But it is a bunch of HTML buttons on a page. No one is going to want to use this. Yeah. He was like, what do you mean? Like, they're going to see my demo. They're going to think it's amazing. And I was like, no, no one is going to want to, yep. if you, if you have to read a document on how <laughs> to press the buttons, no one's going to want to do it. Uh, so yeah. he and I collaborated and I built some front ends for his hacking tools, but uh, you know, it just goes to show that sometimes the developers think I've built something so powerful and so cool here that is really going to change. This product is going to change the way the user does X, Y, and Z. And then they get it in the hands of the user. You know, we've all been through UAT testing. And a user's mm -hmm. like, I thought that this button was going to be more apparent or bigger or purple or, you know, they care about that stuff. And then making and then the fact that if you don't know how to make those changes very quickly as a developer, as a front end developer, whatever you call yourself, these, you know, whatever anyone calls themselves <laughs> these days, you know, uh, it can be very frustrating for yourself and for the people you're working with. So that's why understanding CSS, understanding web development like at a high level reading my man ryan's book cover to cover why it's very important because then you can make those rapid changes satisfy mm -hmm. those users you know what i mean so one of the things that you mentioned in the book that i think a lot of people just fail to think about this is something again from the ux side is very important but this idea of accessibility so talk a little bit about accessibility and why css is so critical for really great accessibility yeah, so so we have this uh, we have the web, right? And, and I, I say in the intro to the book that the web is is really this this place that is for everyone. Uh, it, it is a, a place for self expression. It is a place where you have you build an identity. You everyone I think everyone should have a website. Everyone should have their little corner of the web. Maybe that's going away with the social media sites and, and their advent. But but with that being said, screw them. Yeah, yeah. With that being said. Um, <laughs> the web needs to be accessible to those who may fall outside of your stereotypical user. Uh, I, I remember listening to um, another podcast, uh, uh, Scott Hanselman's podcast, Hanselman, it's uh, a long time ago, and someone went on an interview about vestibular disorders. This blew my mind. I never thought about this, um, but it actually turns out uh, when iOS first launched, some of the animations, the scroll animations, the swipe animations, we're making people really, really sick. Mm, and I was like, okay. oh my gosh, this this is blowing my mind. I I, I have extreme motion sickness. I got mm. on a kitty ride at, uh, at Carowinds. <laughs> we have Carowinds out here in North Carolina. I got on a kitty ride with my son and almost vomited. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I've seen posts on, on Reddit even recently of people going to these super animated websites, mm. you know, a scroll jack where, where they'll scroll and it'll like, they'll use 3JS to like flip a cube around and do all this stuff. <laughs> it looks really cool, but but the Reddit post title was like, uh, this this website made me really sick. It made me feel wow. sick. Uh, and, um, you know, we've got to design and then develop around considerations like that. And then furthermore, uh, it's not just about the way you traditionally think about disability, I'll, I'll say. Um, mm -hmm. It's also about 
when I say accessibility, a lot of people tend to forget about maybe socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm. A lot of people mm-hmm. are still, believe it or not, checking the web on computers in libraries that are underfunded. And uh, these computers are really old. Mm-hmm. They don't have the hardware capabilities. And, and people think, oh, well, if it works in the browser, it'll work on anything. And I'm like, listen, yeah. Probably running IE6 or something like that. (laughs) Right. Some people are checking these on library computers, like old, old Macintoshes, or or Mm -hmm. they're checking these on a very bad internet connection. They might be rural. Uh, And so things like the size of your Mm -hmm. CSS file that we take for granted, I live in a larger city, Mm -hmm. you take for granted with high speed internet, you may not want a huge CSS style sheet that needs to load um, because, you know, your website may be taking forever to load. So there's a lot of aspects to accessibility. Um, CSS does play a role. You wanna make sure things are available on different devices, uh, different internet speeds, um, but but yeah, uh, accessibility is huge. And, and, and actually, it, it, I call it the primary consequence of bad mm-hmm. CSS. Um, because if you don't think about like all the device sizes, for example, which I know can be a headache, uh, but I do cover that in the book, uh, mm-hmm. then, you're going to get a lot of messages from a lot of users for your super cool, awesome web app that are like, hey, what gives? I'm on a you know Galaxy S7 and I can't use your awesome web app. So let me ask you this. So let's expand a little bit more. What ha- what else happens if you don't get your CSS right? Like, uh, you know, if, aside from just the accessibility issues, what other problems could you potentially run into if you're not really taking this seriously? Yeah, so... Uh, like I said, accessibility is the primary consequence, but for me, a secondary consequence, and that's kind of the user consequence, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a user, I can't access or use your interface well, efficiently, effectively, um, or for the intended purpose. From the stakeholder standpoint of that application or that website or that web service, I would sum it up as bounce rate. Bounce rate is secondary, right? Uh, mm. So we've all been to a web page where the CSS was, was not good, uh, the user interface was not good. It hurt to look at, and we were gone in seconds. And so, uh, like I said, a lot of people build these tools that are super powerful, super strong, very cool to use. Uh, and then an end user will look at it for three seconds and say, I, I don't want to use this mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. I don't know how, or I don't like the look of it, or it hurts my eyes to look at. Uh, you know, we've all seen white on yellow background. White text on yellow background is not going <laughs> to keep your users mm-hmm. on a web page. Uh, so, uh, yeah, those are those are my primary consequences. There, there are obviously others, yeah. but uh, but when I think about what is the consequence of getting my CSS wrong, it's losing yeah. users or uh, not being able to get users in the first place because of accessibility problems. Well, this is where I think again, like the designer and the and the JavaScript developer or the or the developer in general, uh, front end developer, uh, really it comes together because this affects the user experience, all the things that you're talking about, right? When we think about UX design, it's not about just some interface you design. It's that whole process of even the page loading, how long it takes. Um, what do you see before that content loads, you know? So this idea of like, especially you mentioned this is like, you know, if I only learn React and all I know is how to style things in React and I'm on a slow interconnection, that means that nothing's styled, nothing actually is visible or whatever until everything loads in the JavaScript. And so if I'm like one of these people you're talking about in the rural area, or even if it's just a slow internet connection and my phone's slow or whatever, I'm going to see a white, a blank page. What, for how long? A second or two until, you know, and we talk about bounce rates. You know, if this is like some random search 
result. You found it online. Am I going to stick around for a second? Probably not. I'm going to go back and like find the next result. So um, I think that's really important, like from the from the designer's perspective as well, thinking about how this thing loads and making sure that, you know, your developer and your designer are working together and say, hey, what's up with this? You know, what do we what can we do? So there's like maybe a skeleton loader or there's some animation or something that gives the user the 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 insight that something is coming. It's not here yet, but it's coming, you know. So um, I think that's really important. And again, when designers understand the technology and not necessarily how it's working, but at least what is happening in the background, you understand like, oh, this happens and this happens and then, oh, this other thing happens. So what can we do to improve that process? You know, I think that's really important. And a lot of designers and developers just like ignore that whole relationship completely. And I think it's to the detriment of users everywhere. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think uh, if I recall correctly, there was a case study done on the Verge, uh, the Verge's website and and they were notorious for having these massive resources, JavaScript, uh, they were loading jQuery, they had other JavaScript files, they had CS style sheets that were massive. Uh, and, and uh, as a result of the case study, uh, a couple developers got together and said, you could actually improve load times drastically by essentially lazy loading some CSS. And what I mean is, and, and I do cover this in the book, uh, part of the cascading style sheets is that they are cascading. There are mm-hmm. um, yep. orders of operation mm-hmm. in which uh, styles are applied. And uh, for that example, and, and some people may say, Ryan, this is terrible practice. Don't do this. Um, but I tend to disagree. If you have um, very important CSS that you want to render first, put it in a style tag at the bottom of the body. It's going to render before your external style sheets. Uh, and so it's small considerations like that that make a big difference uh, when you are on, you know, I hate to say it, 3G. There better not be any 3G left, uh, you know, with all these commercials. I better be walking through and get 4G all the time. I heard 8G is coming out soon. Oh, gosh. 15G. Yeah, yeah. By the time by the time I'm done with this and retired, I'm going to be designing for 64G, 256G. I don't even know. No, see, by uh, the time you retire, hopefully we all have just implants in our brain that doesn't even require anything. It just just happens in our brain and we just imagine all that. We will be emitting the signals. We will be the (laughs) hotspots. We'll probably all just be like, we'll be like, what's uh, that Disney movie where it's just fat sitting in like a spaceship? Wally. Wally. Wally, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, America's uh, America. Anyway, so I've I've got a burning question. Okay. For you, Ryan, if if you're a front end developer and you don't know CSS, can you call yourself a front end developer? <laughs> oh. oh man, listen, I may get some flack for this. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll plug my Twitter at the end of the show. Always feel free to argue with me. I have been on this campaign recently with developers on Twitter about gatekeeping. There has been such a huge problem cropping up in the industry with gatekeeping. If you write one line of HTML. It doesn't bother me. I am not so insecure that I'm not going to call you a front-end developer. If you write one line of HTML, I will call you a front-end developer. I'm totally okay with that. Mm. Um, With that being said, and and I know that might ruffle some feathers, um, (laughs) I think it's a very valuable skill. Uh, I'll tell you this much. For a long time, I didn't know how to interact with an API. Like I said, I learned HTML. I learned CSS. I built Mm -hmm. web pages for my high school. uh, A little bit of PHP thrown in there learned some JavaScript, I uh, could manipulate the DOM. It wasn't until my uh, first job, and now I, I say this uh, with a grain of salt because I was doing some stuff in programming courses in college, but it wasn't until my first internship out of college 
that I was really interacting with an API from a front end. Mm-hmm. And uh, so prior to that, could you call me a front end developer? Maybe not. I wasn't really fetching <laughs> I see data. where you're going with this. All right, I see but, where you're going with this. But, you, you know, know I, I, think I can from, build interfaces. Yeah, I think from my perspective, though, the, the, the front end, the front end piece of this mm-hmm. is literally HTML and CSS. And yeah. I have seen so many front end developers and I've worked with them in the past that from their perspective, the DOM is unimportant. The DOM doesn't matter. The DOM is just like an afterthought. I've seen people do like, they put clicks on spans, Derek. <laughs> they put click functions on spans. That is not what that's oh for. God. Oh, right. I, I mean, we Jesus had, Christ. We had long car ride conversations where Jeremy, just me and him, like, like, I, I look, you I put, support Jeremy, you but he would talk, he would like, I, you know what they button. did? Click on a button. I'm gonna click on a span. Click on a call a label. That's not what it's about. But this idea of semantic HTML. I know. I don't know. um, I honestly, I didn't. I didn't read every single word of the book, (laughs) Ryan. I I, I breathed through it, but I I didn't catch anything about semantic HTML. But I think, like for me, that's not what the book is about, really. But anyway, um, this idea of like the semantic understanding what tags should be used for what and how to apply styling to those things. Um, again, this idea of like putting a click on a span, um, it doesn't do anything when you hover over it and it looks like a freaking span. It, you know, like you could style it to look like a button, but it doesn't have the hover. It doesn't have the it doesn't have the pointer, you know, and you could add all that crap with CSS, but why? It's there when you just put the stupid click on a button. So anyway, this idea though that like, again, I think like <laughs> developers, they learn that React and they don't mm-hmm. understand why, what is a span for? What's the difference between a span and a well, div? You know, like they don't understand that a div is display block by default and a span is display inline by default. And when you have to go and add display block to a span, why didn't you just use a div? Why didn't you just, you just right. wasted a line of CSS, right? And how many, however many bits that is or bytes. So anyway, you know, this idea though, I think for me personally, this is my opinion, <laughs> a front end developer should understand those things as a foundational thing and build like you, like you said, exactly. You know, I learned the basics, then I can add functionality over time and manipulate the DOM and now there's the APIs. So anyway, my personal opinion is if you yeah. don't know CSS, don't call yourself a front developer. <laughs> Come at me, bro. Come at me, Fair bro. Hey, look. Derek, Derek hey, look. handles you'll Twitter. See and... Jeremy, you'll see Jeremy and I going back and forth on Twitter after this. No, yeah, I, I am not on Twitter. Actually, it was, uh, I was going to say, come I, at Derek on Twitter because I'm not on Twitter. Look, so go... <laughs> I love you both. I'll be honest with you. I love you both. Same. Okay. Um, I, I'll say this much. What I have seen a lot of recently, and I talk about this in the book, I, I, I do cover frameworks in a very late chapter in the book. Mm-hmm because it's the same JavaScript React example with CSS. Mm. It's people are scooping up Tailwind. Tailwind has taken this industry by storm, by the front end industry, front end niche of this industry by storm. Tailwind's great. Tailwind is awesome. I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and say Tailwind isn't great, but I've seen developers tweet out these, uh, these, these roadmaps to self-taught web development, right? And it's like, learn React, then learn Tailwind, and you're building components and you're building web apps and that's it. And I'm like, but but and then all you have yeah, is one. Every, stuff, yeah. Everything in React is a div. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a Svelte like fanboy. I don't know if you guys have gotten into Svelte in front of development frameworks, but, um, but uh, everything in React is a div. Mm-hmm. And then those divs will have like 37 classes mm-hmm. that are all modifiers in Tailwind and no one knows what they're doing. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, yeah, uh, like I said, I try to, I try to stick up for this, 
for the brand new developers. Uh, you know, I see these people on Twitter who are like, I'm a software developer. And then people are like, you are not a software developer because you don't know X, Y, Z. And that, that bothers me because I'm like, come on, yeah. they're learning. Like they're, they're, they're trying they're their just, best. They're where you were. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, just to have some respect, dude. That that and Hanselman, you mentioned Hanselman earlier. He's really big about encouraging people early in their career, talking about how to get them to the next level. Because you know what we need? We need people that are good at this stuff. Yeah. And yeah. if you discourage them early, they will stop All right, learning. Fine. They will go do something else. All right, else. fine. Listen, so Jerry, here's what I'll say. Shut I'll say up. this: If you don't know CSS, you can call yourself a front end developer as long as you're learning it. How about that? Yes. Ooh, All right, there we go. Now, now you're <laughs> As long right as you're trying to learn it. If you're not trying that's to learn it compromise. and you think you shouldn't learn it, then you're not a front end developer. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's the compromise right there. Listen, uh, that's the only gatekeeping I'll do. If you can write a single line of code, I'll call you a developer. But developers yeah. are always learning. If you've stopped learning, mm. get out of development. Yeah. And you're, <laughs> you know, this is especially the way the web is moving. Yeah. And, and that's something too is to note. And I think again, this is where uh, again, designers, I think this is your job to understand these things. When when you are working with a software team, it's really important to understand that like the frameworks change over time. Like what's hot today might be out, you know, old news a year from now. So, you know, you have to, I think, and again, this is really important from a designer perspective, like learn the language, understand, be able to speak to the developers because they're going to, they're going to respect you. They're going to take you seriously. Um, and, and I think it's really important for us to kind of know that stuff. Like I remember when I was coming up, MooTools was big. You remember MooTools? Were you around oh, with MooTools? I was, yeah. Most people probably have never even heard of MooTools now, but like back in like Man, the 2008, 2007, 2008, this was before jQuery was around. Moo tools was the hot thing. You wanted to like manipulate the DOM, use Moo tools. And now like nobody's even heard of it. It's like, I work with mm -hmm. kids, dude, that like never heard of Saved by the Bell. And I was like, what? God, I feel so that's old. Crazy. It's like the Saved yeah, by the Bell of uh, JavaScript frameworks. But anyway, you know, that kind of stuff, like you got to learn over time and, and be able to like understand. Because the cool thing from a design perspective is a lot of these frameworks allow you to do some really cool things really easily. You know, and if you know these frameworks, you could be like, ah, oh, I read this thing, like I could do this. So when you're thinking about designing an interaction, a page, you could keep those those things in mind. So you're like, oh, I could do this really easily or my developers can do this really easily. And this isn't like a huge ask, because I think a lot of times what I see, too, is designers often will like self-censor almost like they don't think it's possible. So they just won't do it or they won't try to design it. Right. Or the opposite of that, they'll do everything. And it's like, I can't literally, I could do this, but it would take me like a million years to do. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff I think is really important from a design perspective to be able to understand the capabilities of your engineering team for sure. Yeah. If a designer were to come to me, uh, and actually this, this recently came up because, uh, I, I, um, I like to reproduce uh, video game UI in the web. Oh, cool. Uh, just, just as fun little projects. Um, and uh, I, I was building the Valorant UI and they have this play button in the middle of the, the their nav bar at the top of the UI is a trapezoid. Okay. And I said, and I was trying to reproduce yeah, it. I, I was getting CSS, into the like, like CSS clip path okay. and like, oh, you create triangles that are, that are invisible and you overlay them over a square div. Mm -hmm. And um, I was thinking to myself, I said, if a designer brought me this mock-up, I would tell him to, to to go jump off a cliff. Yeah. I'd be like, come on, man. But if that designer says, hey, and this would be a pretty intimate knowledge of CSS for a designer, but if they've done their homework and they say, hey, you can use clip path to like, you know, kind of manipulate mm -hmm. the coordinates of this div and, and create this shape that we're looking for. Or what I really love to see is there are new tools emerging 
that marry development and design. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge Figma fan. Yeah. Um, I also recently was using, uh, for an enterprise project, we're using Zeppelin, uh, which oh, Zeppelin, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Zeppelin um, does a really great job of converting design into CSS. Mm-hmm. Uh, even better, in my opinion, than Figma. Figma has pretty good CSS conversion, but uh, leaves some, yeah. some room to be desired at times. But even using those tools. The designers come to me in the past and been like, here's the Figma. Uh, I don't know if you can just take the CSS out of it. And I'm like, no, but it gives me a great starting point. Yeah. Well, you know what yeah. I've found, actually, this is really interesting, kind of different from what you're talking about a little bit, but when I've run into this problem, because where I work, we have a design system, right? And we've got mm-hmm. standard classes and variables for colors and spacing classes and things like that. So if I were to take my file, my Figma file or sketch file, and, and the developer took that and built something with it, they would have they would have to know the design system intimately to know there's a color variable for this. There's a spacing variable for this. This thing should be whatever and not go and build a new style sheet that styles it to look like the thing when there was the classes that they could have used that, or, you know, components that exist or something. So, you know, in this case, like, that's really interesting that you're talking about that, but this is again, I think like where that design team should be able to, to communicate with the developers and, you know, this is kind of off topic, I guess, a little bit, but like being able to communicate and say, look, we know that design system and you can use this class because we have a spacing for this and you have a color variable for this. This is like the primary color, whatever. Don't go make color, whatever the hex value for blue is. Use primary blue or color action, primary action, whatever your your, your variable is. You know, so that's the kind of stuff that I think is like really important. And then from like the developer's perspective, when you're designing those those systems, right? Understanding the semantics of it. And like, you know, there's like debates on, do we call that, you know, action primary or do we call it action blue or something or blue? And, you know, so like this idea of semantic, like what, what should, how should we like label these things and what variables, what do we call like the BREM uh, or BEM, sorry, uh, block, uh, uh, what is it? Block something module? I can't remember. Uh, Block element module. Block element modifier so that, you know, you're using these things. I'm like, yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. (laughs) So anyway, so this idea of BAM, like being able to use that to make your CSS easier to read for other people, because that's the other thing that's like really important. Derek, you talked about this a lot, writing your code so that someone else can understand it, not Mm, for yourself, you know, writing it so that another team assume in a year you're gone and someone has to pick it up and add to it. What is the logic behind how you're labeling things instead of having, you know, div one, div two, div three, you know, whatever, like creating these style sheets in a way that are logical. And then if you make it logical enough, you could have a develop a designer go through that and say, oh, look, we have a class for this. Oh, look, I could use this thing again, you know, or, oh, this reusable thing and make it so that someone who's not a developer could go through it. I mean, a style sheet's so simple. If you've, if you've used comments and things like that, anybody could go through and read that and understand what it's supposed to do, even a non-developer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. that's maybe another thing for developers out there, designers. Developers, make sure you're documenting stuff correctly. And then two, designers, go and read your assets and understand what's available for you. You know, understand, like, if your team's built some custom thing. Understand what's in there. Understand the variables that they're using, you know, and tell them when they when you hand it off, you try to speak the language and use the words that they've already come up with and don't try to, you know, come up with a new vocabulary. Use what they've already established so that that communication and relationship is just that much easier. I think that's really important, too. I might write a book Definitely. about how to how to get a designer to work with a <laughs> development team. That's a good idea Please for a do. book, Derek. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> I'll be the first to buy it. All right on. All right. I got one sale. All right. Was that five bucks, ten bucks? Um, 
Anyway, so yeah, so um, I don't know. I think this book is really awesome. You got any other any other uh, final final closing thoughts? I know we we talked about quite a bit. We didn't get to everything in the book, but any uh, any thoughts? Honestly, I think a great takeaway here, uh, and this isn't really even necessarily related to the book, but it's come up a few times in the conversation, is that everyone is at a different place in their development journey. I wrote this book, um, but I can guarantee that uh, there are developers who uh, could CSS me in circles, if you will. Um, this, is, this, is, this book is all about the fundamentals, it's about mastering the fundamentals, it's about laying a good groundwork. But, uh, you know, everyone needs to be learning, everyone needs to be uh, enjoying their journey, and, uh, you know, don't disrespect someone's journey if they're on it. All right, uh, that, that's directed at me, I get it, I know, I know. No, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm <laughs> directing it at you. <laughs> Beard boy. Oh, get out of here. All right. So uh, I think that's awesome and, and very well. You, you, it's a humbling thing to think about. I, I get a, I get all fired up about stuff sometimes, and I think it's it's good to hear those uh, words of wisdom from someone else. So I appreciate that. Um, all right. So we have a little game, uh, Ryan, we like to play. We call it This or That, and it's a way for us to just get to know our guests a little bit better. We ask a series of questions, this thing or that thing, and you, uh, you, you, you give us the answer that you think, and then we don't judge you. Um, except for maybe a couple, we might have to judge. Uh, how does that sound? Sounds fair. Bring All it right, on. Bring it on. All right. Let's see. I'm start a little timer here. All right. We'll get a uh, start simple and we'll get a little bit more, a little bit harder. Dog or cat? Dog. All right. Phone call or text? Uh, it kind of depends, but I would, I, I would say text. All right. Ice cream, cone or a cup? Uh, a cup. You know, it's funny where I live, everybody calls it a dish. Like, they don't say cup, they say dish. No, you want it in a really dish? dish? Okay. Anyway. Must be uh, a yeah, it's a weird thing. Midwest thing, or, or at least where I live. I don't know. Anyway. All right. Uh, Mac or PC? Oh, you know, um, PC with Windows subsystem. <laughs> okay. All right. It's got to I, I gotta well, be, I gotta be using Bash. All right. Right on. I heard that. All right. Uh, whiteboard or chalkboard? Whiteboard. Whiteboard. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Legend of Zelda or Mario Brothers? Legend of Zelda. All right. Twitter or TikTok? Oh man, Again, <laughs> it totally depends. But I, I gotta say, with all the drama going around Twitter recently, TikTok. All right, I haven't, I haven't, I don't think I ever will take the plunge into TikTok. I probably never will. Um, all right, anyway, all right, tabs or spaces? Uh, tabs. All right, this one's important. Don't screw it up. Love or money? Oh, love. Come on. That was impressive, Derek. That was he was on that. that it's was, like that he, was our it's fun. like he listened to the show and knew he would ask it. <laughs> We All had right. one guy who we everybody waits. Okay, everybody waits. They they're like love. And but they have to think about it. One guy waited. He waited a long time. A real long time. Money. <laughs> yeah, we were like, no way. You're the first one. Listen, I'll tell you. So I'll tell you this much. I have goals of retiring with basically as much money as I need to mm. live, and I want to retire early. Like, I want to be with my family. I'm a family man. So, like, yeah. I, I was going to say love off the rip. I like that. I'm Appreciate impressed. Appreciate that. Respect. Mad respect. All right. Just a couple more. Sure. Uh, this one's really important. Uh, Star Trek or Star Wars? Wars. God damn it, Derek. I have a tattoo of Darth Vader on my arm. Right. I am a okay. super fan. All Boy, right. He got, he okay. He's got a tat. He's got a tat. Uh, well, that's that's right. we gotta let him go. He's got a tat. Well, the, the correct answer yeah. was Star Trek, but that's okay. We won't we won't hold <laughs> he you. Committed. If you want to, if you want to be really angry at me, the only Star Trek I've ever this is why maybe I need to change. Uh, maybe I need uh, some education. The only Star Treks I've seen are two of the new ones and the one about saving whales. 
Oh, the oh, Star- was that four? Star Trek four. Yeah, Star Trek yeah, four. Yeah, they go back in time Search to save the whales. That's really important, by the way. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Those whales need saving. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Well, anyway, I would watch uh, maybe the second half of s- uh, season one of uh, Next Generation. Don't watch okay. the first few episodes. There's a podcast I really enjoy. If you don't want to watch them, you could just listen to these guys talk about it, but it's called The Greatest Generation. It's actually really funny. Um, anyway, shout out to those guys. Uh, an inspiration for this show, by the way, Derek. Two dudes just talking about Star Trek. <laughs> um, all right. Here we go. We got these uh, are uh, some questions really important. So as everybody out there knows, Ryan wrote a book about cascading style sheets. And as we previously mentioned, it's called cascading because it trickles down. So everything that's beneath it, the lowest one, takes precedence over the one above it. All right. It's all about specificity. Cascade. It flows down. So we got some questions for you, Ryan, about another thing that cascades down. Waterfalls. Waterfalls. Okay. You ready? All right. Late on. Niagara Falls or Yosemite Falls? Which is your favorite? I've only ever been to Yosemite, so I got to say Yosemite. All right. There you go. All right. Respect. If you've been to either of these, I'd be impressed. Victoria Falls or Tugela Falls? I think it's I have been it. to neither, but I've seen pictures and I, I, I would go with Victoria. It is beautiful. Victoria Falls is beautiful, Derek. Have you never seen it? It's so big. It's gigantic. Isn't it like, I think it might be like the biggest waterfall in the world. Is it Victoria Falls? Anyway, mm. it's very pretty. All right. Angel Falls, which actually might be Angel Falls because this is in uh, Venezuela, or Iguaza Falls. I'm unfamiliar with both. <laughs> yeah, I don't, so I don't know. I'm going to go with Angel. <laughs> literally Googled these Great before. Choice. Just that was to... a good choice. All right. Uh, both of these are in Iceland, and me pronouncing these is going to be really fun. Uh, <laughs> Skagafoss Falls or Gulfoss Falls. Both are very pretty, by the way, if you Google these. Are very, very I've actually seen the this, Skaya this uh Foss Falls in... Is that G-O-Y sound? I believe it's Skya. In a television show, so I'll go with Skya Falls. All right. All right. A couple of New Zealand Falls here. Sutherland Falls or Hookah Falls? Hookah? Hookah. I don't know how to pronounce it. Sutherland. And I only know this because I have friends who live in New Zealand. Ooh. I have a friend who lives in New Zealand Mm. as well. She's Hungarian. And uh, in Hungarian, it's Ui Zealand, which is funny. Ui is the Hungarian word for new. Ui Zealand. All right. So that is, uh, that's all of this or that questions we got. Uh, you want to plug anything real quick? Obviously the book, you want to plug anything else? Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, when I'm not writing books, I'm writing blog posts. Uh, I've been taking a break because I've been writing a book, uh, on ryanbody.net. And then, uh, I do make uh, YouTube, uh, content. I've been doing that uh, quite a bit recently, uh, on, all kinds of front-end development topics and web development topics, uh, Ryan Body on YouTube. And then, like I said, uh, if you like to argue about a range of topics, uh, <laughs> hit me up on, on Twitter at I'm Ryan Body. So I-M-R-Y-I-N-B-O-D-D-Y. Right uh, I talk about all kinds of stuff there. Um, very cool. strongly right. opinionated. <laughs> there you go. All right. Are you a front-end developer? The answer is yes. If you've written a line of one code. line of H- HTML, <laughs> you're on you're on my team. I'm I'm hiring you. Don't, Hello don't, world. Don't take that to the <laughs> don't don't, <laughs> right. don't don't. He's not gonna all hire right, you. All right, so that's it. So that. check out check out Ryan <laughs> on all those things, and we'll post all that stuff in the show notes. Uh, check us out on retrotimepodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at RetroTimePod. You'll hear Derek talk about uh, basketball, sometimes software, and you can argue with him about what I said about being a front-end developer, and he'll let me know what you said, and it'll be a very long uh, game of telephone. It'll be really fun. Um, You won't find us on TikTok, because I am never going to start a TikTok. Never. (laughs) 
Unless Derek wants to do it, then he can do it. He could maybe videos of you playing basketball. Get some stickers, retrotimepodcast.com slash stickers. Don't forget, five-star review. You leave a five-star review, you get your very own song. Caveat, eventually. You get your very own song eventually. <laughs> uh, Derek and I are still working on it. We're going to meet up in person and just knock all these songs out. We have so many songs. We need We're to excited write, about this. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, you'll get your own song eventually. We'll get you on our backlog, so please leave a five-star review. And if you don't want your own song, just leave a five-star review anyway because it makes it better for us and other people can find the show. Uh, tell your friends. Um, I think that's everything I've got, Derek. Until next time, we'll see you. Take it easy. Mm-hmm. You know what my favorite uh, my favorite Wi-Fi uh, or my favorite uh, cell speed is OG. That's my favorite. OG, yeah. yeah. Keep it OG. Like That's how I do it. That's how I do it. I um I started a TikTok uh, because someone else, my wedding videographer, put a video of me on TikTok, okay. and it was blowing up. Oh, okay. And I just wanted to comment on it. Well, then I put a video of my son on there that got like a million views. And then I saw on TikTok that they targeted me through the algorithm about privacy advocacy for your children on the internet. <laughs> and so I deleted all that stuff. Oh, yeah, and then dude. I started making videos about like uh, 3D printing and that stuff blew up. And then I took a break. So like I have been through like all these weird different niches of TikTok. Um, and, and it's weird, the virality of your content. Like you could just be an average Joe and it'll be like, a million people have watched. It's That's very, so bizarre. very strange. I don't understand. I have yeah. nothing. I feel like I have nothing to say on TikTok. Like especially like video wise, it's just like, hey, I'm here, um, hanging out, watching my kids watch TV, uh, cooking dinner tonight. <laughs> I, I have nothing to say. Um, I don't know. Maybe I could talk about developer stuff. He's all, on this on this podcast alone, he said like so many strong opinions about things, and he's like, "I have nothing to say. I just, I just yeah. there's nothing I really have to say." <laughs> I'm like, uh, "Guess cooking dinner." By the way, if you don't know CSS, you're not a front end developer. <laughs> um, all right. All right. Well, Best fun. show yet. Told Best you. Best show yet. Best show yet. But now I'm gonna get up stage next week. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, that's look. It's it's like the circle of life. Yeah. It's just part part of. It's just it just happens. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's just a, it, it's uh, the stages of grief. Stages you know, of podcast. Look at the bright yeah. side, though. Um, you your episode came after the episode with Bob Martin, so that means that your episode is better than Bob's episode, which there is pretty. Impressive I need to hit up all your prior guests and and be like, get some. In your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was on there recently. Tell him what's what. <laughs> Get out Tell of here. Tell him what's what. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bob Martin, I don't know if you listened to the episode, but uh, Bob was one of those signatures, signatories, signatories uh, on the, mm-hmm. the Agile Manifesto. Um, we asked him if uh, any of the Agile Manifesto was written in a hot tub. He says no, but I don't believe it. So we'll see. He did love the question, though. Question, but... Half this book was written in a hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, I hope you're recording. I hope you're still recording. I am. Yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Beard boy.